Hello, everyone, and welcome to Celtic Preacher Podcast 176. And today we are going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Who is or what is this Holy Spirit? The Spirit of God. What's the big deal about the Holy Spirit? Actually, it's Pentecost this week, which means that in the church year, it's the day that 50 days after Easter is the day that we celebrate that the Holy Spirit falls on these waiting disciples of Jesus. And actually, when you think about it, you know, the Holy Spirit, we, we talk about Pentecost and the coming of the Holy Spirit. But really, when you think about it, the Spirit is just another name for God. So the Spirit has always been. There's no beginning and there's no end to God. It's like God's God, Jesus is God, the Spirit is God. They're all different aspects of the one reality, right? But the Holy Spirit's particularly interesting because the Spirit of God or the energy of God, the life force, the breath, I've always found it intriguing because I think it's the part I suppose if you can talk about it even this way, it's sort of the part of God that really helps us with our behavior and how we live in this world, right? So, for example, we all know that um, it's good to be a compassionate person. But the reality is we might not always feel compassionate or nor want to be compassionate. The Holy Spirit, sort of that part or that aspect that bridges the gap between our cognitive understanding and our behavior. In other words, it helps us walk the talk. There's the easiest way of saying it, the Spirit of God. It's all about action, how we live, how we behave. Um, Actually, when I was a child, the Holy Spirit, I remember... In the church, it was called the Holy Ghost. Can you imagine how that would strike fear into a young heart, the Holy Ghost? Well, it was really spirit. The word is just breath, the breath of God. So 50 days after Easter, we, the church, have this day where we celebrate Pentecost. But that being said, if you took the entire Bible into consideration, Uh, way, way back in the very first book of Genesis, at the very beginning, the front, the very front of the Bible, the first paragraph, the Spirit is mentioned. At the very beginning, before the creation of the heavens and the earth, before the world, before anything, uh, the, the text in Genesis starts that the Spirit of God was hovering upon the face of the deep. So it's a very poetic way of talking about the beginnings of life. And for those of you who like words, this, the, the word for spirit in that very first line of Genesis, feminine form, interestingly enough, feminine form, so you could say she hovers on the face of the deep. The word is ruach. So it's a great image. So you have this image of this the Ruach brooding upon the face of the deep. So it's like a like a mother chick with her hens brooding upon the water. 
and the image is come, something new is going to come forth here. So there's something new is going to be created. Something that hasn't been there before is going to be birthed. And then the whole text of Genesis starts, uh, and God created the heavens and the earth. Beautiful poem. So that's the, the, the Holy Spirit. It certainly didn't just appear at Pentecost uh, 50 days after Easter. Always has been there, always will be there. No beginning, no end, holds the whole lot together. So let's just say that, um, yeah, it's wondrous. The spirit is wondrous. When, when, you are, when we become more aware, because the spirit's always there, but our awareness and our attention goes every which way. But when we are more aware of the spirit, uh, we can begin to see amazing new things happen, not only to us as individuals, this is where the growth takes place and transformation, but also within our family and our group and our churches and communities, that the Spirit is always leading in a way that's life-giving in some way. If it's life, here's another way of saying it. If it's life-giving, the Spirit's behind it. Yeah, if it's life-giving, if it's, if it's growing in the right direction, if it's bringing freedom and life and goodness, yeah, that's why the prayers always come, Holy Spirit, because why would you not want that, right? Everywhere we, we need, <laughs> there's always a part of us that needs some kind of new life. So today, we're going to be looking at how the Holy Spirit, how the breath of God helps us in our lives. And I'm particularly interested in that movement uh, from thinking into being. And by that, I mean, you can take a whole class on, let's say you were in college and you had a class on, I don't know, the power of prayer. Let's say you were in Bible college, you did a class on the power of prayer. You could have a whole quarter of that and learn a lot cognitively, but at the end of the class, still not be praying, right? So a lot of our information about God can get stuck in our heads, especially if you hear a lot of sermons and teachings and podcasts, and this can happen in every subject, but certainly I'm more aware of it happening in, in our spiritual lives. We can hear a lot of information but not be living it necessarily. So one of the last things that Jesus said before he left his disciples, remember the timeline is uh, we have Easter and then we have Jesus appearing uh, for a good few weeks before he left them again. But before he left, he said, now I'm going to be leaving, but I'm not leaving you alone. I'm sending you a helper. Now, this is what he means by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has lots of names, sometimes called the Comforter, sometimes called the Spirit of Truth, sometimes called the Breath of God. There's so many different names. Jesus has many different names too. So does God. They all have different names, all different aspects of the one reality. So 
Jesus said, I'm leaving now, but I'm not leaving you on, on your own. I'm going to send you the Spirit. And the job of the Spirit is to lead you into truth. That's the job of the Holy Spirit, lead you into truth. I'm giving you a gift, it's going to help you work things out. What kind of things? Well, anything confusing, anything challenging, anything bewildering, right? So we think that this whole idea of not knowing what's true is new to this age. Uh, the scripture would say, no, no, people have always had trouble tweaking apart what's true and what isn't true. People have always had trouble listening to the wrong voices. And so Jesus said, I'm going to send you a helper, the spirit of truth that will show you what's what. Now, this can happen in a million different ways, but at its very simplest, something that we experience a lot. We go through our lives and maybe you have a disagreement with someone or a misunderstanding and you say, I just don't understand why somebody would do that. Or I, I just don't understand why somebody would choose that. That's a common feeling, isn't it? It's common for us to be perplexed by the way people conduct themselves. Actually, you might even get perplexed by the way you conduct yourself at times, right? We're not sure. It's like, why? We can watch someone's life choices and we think, what are, what are they thinking? What's going on here? Well, welcome to the world of the Holy Spirit who gives us understanding and clarity and wisdom and truth. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, not to leave us completely bewildered and confused. So the text is Acts 2, and uh, the content, let me give you some background. I'm going to give you some historical background to this text. It's an important text to, to know and understand and experience, but that's where we're going. So the context is, is that after Jesus left the disciples, he was with them 40 days. Giving you this gift, he said, wait in Jerusalem. Don't go anywhere. I'm sending you the gift. So he left and it was a t the time of year where the, Jewish, the ancient Jewish people were celebrating the festival of the tabernacles. It's a long festival. It lasted a whole week. These ancient people didn't do anything half-heartedly. You know, they're not like us. We just have like a day of celebration, like one day, Thanksgiving, couple hour meal, then it's over. No, no, the ancients were quite different. They would have long festivals. We're going for a whole week. This particular festival, this must have been a fun one for children. What they would do is, is that, that they would all, the families, they would build tiny little tents and live in the tents for a whole week. So they'd go to Jerusalem, because that was the main place where everyone would come to worship. They'd all build tiny little tents, and they would stay in these tiny little tents for an entire week. And the idea was, is that they would remember 
how God did amazing things for their ancestors when their ancestors lived in tents during the Exodus. Now, I'm not going to go into the Exodus just to say it was a time in their history where they were slaves to Egypt and they were promised the promised land. But it took them a long, 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 long time to get there. And in between that long journey to the promised land, they lived in tents, and God provided for them in unusual, miraculous, wondrous ways. And they never forgot that. And they passed it down to their children and their children and their children. So this is why everybody's gathering in Jerusalem to celebrate this festival of tabernacles. And that's when the Holy Spirit came. And what happened was, Luke tells us, he explains, he says, well, it looks like, it looked like something like fiery flames descending from heaven. That's what it looked like. First, there was this gale force wind. We were all gathered together. We're hanging out together. We're praying. We're being together. And then all of a sudden, there's this gale force wind. And then it looked like these fiery flames coming down from heaven and landing on people's heads. And the result was, the result of the spirit coming and this looking like flames and coming was, is that when the disciples started to talk, it was like instant translation. Everyone could hear them in their own native language because, you know, people from all over the world, the known world, had gathered in Jerusalem at that time. They all spoke different languages. They're all from different places. And then suddenly this unusual, strange thing happens. These fiery tongues descend from heaven, looking like fiery tongues. The disciples start to speak out how God's helped them, the wonders of God. And everybody could hear what they were saying in their own language. And some of the people looked on and they said, that's not God. They're all drunk. This is crazy. They're all drunk. Why are you paying attention to this? And other people said, it's not crazy. They're not drunk. It's only nine o'clock in the morning. This is the Holy Spirit. This is God doing something. So it was all a bit wild and chaotic and wondrous and unforgettable. And Peter, being the sp spokesman of the group, stands up and explains to everyone and says, listen, I'll tell you what's happening here, Peter says. All these flames of fire and you hearing us and understanding what we're saying and we can't even speak your language and you, you're understanding what we're saying. I'll tell you what's happening here. This is exactly, in our scripture, this is exactly what Joel the prophet predicted 900 years ago. It's like, really? Well, they would have known their scripture, so... All the ancient Jews knew their scriptures really, really well. So Peter said, yeah, this is exactly what Joel said. Joel said that the spirit of God, the energy of God, the life force of God would be poured out on everybody, all flesh, young men, old men, young women, old women, slaves, non-slaves, everyone. That's what Joel said. There's going to come a day where the Spirit of God is going to just fall on 
everyone. And I'll tell you what's going to happen, Joel says. They will prophesy. They will prophesy. Now, prophecy, not a word we use often, is it? Prophecy is nothing about telling the future. Um, I mean, it could be, but, it, but it's, it's not really a forth telling. What the New Testament means when they're talking about prophecy is, and this is such a cool word, I don't know what word we would use today. We would use a different word. I have to think about that. But prophecy, it's not so much a prediction. It's more about actually seeing what's going on in this situation. So if you have the gift of prophecy, it would be you can see what's true and what isn't true. In any situation, in a family situation, in a workplace situation, you have it's it's more than discernment, because discernment's another gift, but it's like that. It's like you know exactly what to say at the right time to someone at the right time. Prophecy. It's like the right word at just the right time so that somebody walks away from the conversation with you and they're thinking, I really, really needed to hear that today. So, wow, was that a timely word or what? Prophecy. It's got to be one of the most valuable, practical gifts of God. Now, we're all gifted in different ways. But St. Paul, the guy who wrote three quarters of the New Testament said, was his opinion, <laughs> he said, this is the best gift ever and it is available for the asking people, he said. This is how he would counsel his congregation. He'd say, yeah, you will be wanting to ask for the gift of prophecy because it's speaking truth into a situation or a person. It's like, well, where does truth come from? Of course, it comes from God, right? So prophets would basically speak out truth. They would say it like it is. So a prophet, if they're really, I mean, if, if it's a real prophetic gift, people aren't guessing, they're not giving opinions, they're not saying, well, this is the way I see it. It's accurate, it's on point, and, and, and you know when someone is in this realm. You know when somebody's operating on this realm because it's a different kind of conversation altogether. It's a bit of a life changer, really, when you think about it. Jesus did this all the time. All the time. He would, he would give out these prophetic words. He would just see the situation. Nathaniel, yeah, you don't pretend, do you? or Pharisees, I know what you're up to, you're rotten to the core. He had that gift of looking at people, looking at situations, and really seeing what was going on, not being fooled at all by the outside. Because people, you know, put on a good show, right? But Jesus could always see beyond the good show. So this is kind of the, the work of the Holy Spirit here, one of the aspects, one of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And, and Peter, when 
the spirit came, immediately saw this. He's like, yeah, this is exactly, this is God, this is a God thing here. This is a God, this is what it looks like when God is on the move. People speak truth with great accuracy. And this is Peter, he's looking on the scene, he's saying, yeah, this is, this is exactly what is happening. The gift of prophecy. Now, the great thing about this gift is that, of course, it's not just for Peter and his group 2,000 years ago. This is, this is one of the gifts for every generation since that time. In fact, St. Paul, when he would pray for his people, his prayer was, I'm praying that God will show you what's true so that you'll know what to do. That's from Ephesians 1. Isn't that a great prayer? You know, for someone, you know, rather than specific things, you know, I'm praying that you'll really get this job or I'm praying that you'll really be able to buy this house. Not that there's anything wrong with these particular prayers, but, you know, Paul would say, I'll tell you how I'm praying. I'm praying that God will show you what is true so you will know what to do in this situation. I'm not going to tell you what to do. I'm not going to give you my opinion. Um, uh, but I will say, I am praying that God will show you what is true. The spirit of truth. It's all about truth with God. It's all about learning how to be true to yourself. How to be true to others how to walk in truth in this world. None of these are easy things, but this is, this is part of the, the work of transformation. You know, walk, as we would say, walking the talk. And, the, and, and that's what happened to, to the first followers. And it was absolute when the Spirit came. It was a life changer for them. It really was a life changer. It turned their lives around, all of them. Peter, Mary, John, all of them. And of course, the Spirit does the same for us. You know, Peter, he's such a great example because he received new courage on the day of Pentecost. He started walking the talk in a far, far greater way. Remember, Peter, not eight weeks ago, was quite cowardly, fearful, timid, actually. And even though Jesus had taught him for years not to base everything on his fear, Right? Because fear so colors our perspective, doesn't it? But with the Spirit, and by that I mean with the help of God, Peter shakes off his fear. It doesn't get to lead in the same way, that's for sure. Because he stands up in front of all those people. And he's boldly speaking to thousands of people who gathered in Jerusalem for that festival. And he's telling them about the wonders of God and 3,000 people were baptized that day. So it's like 3,000 people are saying, uh, sign me up, I'm interested and I want to learn more about this. Now, eight weeks ago, he's too scared to open his mouth. So the point being, the thing that tripped him up isn't tripping him up nearly as much. And I say nearly as much because being realistic, it, didn't, it doesn't mean that 
you know, the spirit comes and we, we never, we're never scared again. It, I, but I think it does mean that we can learn to not be led by fear to the same capacity. Let's just say it that way. So Peter's learning how to move beyond his fears because he knows that God's got to hold him. It's an amazing thing. Uh, St. Paul called this spirit-led, or you can call it walking in the spirit. Or how else would we say it? Walking in the energy and life force of God. There's so many ways to talk about it. But it's certainly stepping away from allowing fear to take the driver's seat and control everything. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't get to control everything here anymore. There's another one at work. There's another one with me. And we'll call that one today since it's Pentecost, the Holy Spirit. Yeah. So, Peter, yeah, not so fearful. And again, for some of us, it's not going to be fear that's going to be the major trip up. You know, it might be guilt. That might be the major trip up. Or it might be... Anger, I mean, or regret, or there's so many things that can trip us up, isn't there? But here Peter's showing us, you know, the thing that really, really tripped me up a few weeks back, actually my whole life, I'm getting a handle on that, and, and, and it's to do with the Spirit of God coming and showing me what is true, and, and showing me a different path and then giving me what I need when I take that step forward. You know, Peter stood up in front of all those people and he took the risk and opened his mouth and spoke and God met him. And that is always the way of spiritual growth. You know, it always is the way that we have to have that little step of courage first to step ahead, do the thing that we're fearful of, apprehensive of, dreading in some way, but we go ahead and we do it, and once we take that step, you can be sure the Comforter, the Spirit of God, is there helping us and giving us what we need to complete the task. Yeah, there's a great line that says, um, the one who began a good work in you will complete it. It's a great line from the New Testament, the one being God, right? God who started the good work. Yeah, didn't, didn't bring you this far to leave you, in other words. You will be met. You will be met. So Peter is an amazing example of, you know, stepping out of the fear zone and into the gift of prophecy, speaking what is true, speaking a word that is needed, needful. He's got a stability there that he didn't have before. So you can see how this gift of prophecy would be so beneficial to us in our lives and in our families or with our neighbors or with our friends. I mean, it doesn't really matter. I mean, <laughs> who doesn't want to know what's true? Yeah, we want to know what is true. We want to know what's accurate. 
We want to know the right thing to say. Or maybe we don't say anything. Maybe that's the right thing. All the gift of the Spirit helping us to move from our heads into, into the behavior. I think Peter would have said, I could never have stood up and spoken that day if it wasn't for the energy and the power of God helping me. I think Paul, the apostle, would say, I could never have gone on all those trips and spoken about God unless God had helped me. I think Mary, Jesus' mother, would have said, oh, no way I could have done what was required unless God was with me, helping me. Because it's the spirit that enables us to do all the things that we are called to do. Yeah, Peter would say, it wasn't me. It wasn't me. It wasn't just me. I mean, I was there and I took the step and I was, I was, I was really trying to be brave that day. But it was the spirit that did everything and empowered and created something that I needed that I didn't have. And that's the prayer and the heart cry. You know, when, when, there's, when there's something missing in us that we need and we don't have, it's like, yeah, well, come Holy Spirit and create new life in me then. You know, come Holy Spirit and give me what I need. I want to, it's like, it's almost like claiming the promise. You promised me this, and thank you that I have it. Thank you that I have the breath of God that gives me all the strength and energy and courage and bravery and wisdom and truth that I need to get through this day. It's the prayer. It's the heart cry. Thank you for joining me. You have been listening to Celtic Preacher. Join with me again next week for another episode.